Oh my goodness. Hey everybody, I'm so happy that I get to share the message with you this morning. Um, I have been blessed this year to teach students and children and it's been just something that I'm finding is just joyful for me. Um, And this is the second week of our series on the Spirit. And last week we started, I'm going to move this because it's in my, it's bugging me. Um, in our, in our, uh, when we started the series, we talked about Pentecost, because last Sunday was Pentecost. And if you were here, or if you watched online, in my announcements, I said I wasn't going to tell you what Pentecost was, because you could Google it. Of course, Dan went ahead and told you anyway, because he's a really good pastor. But I want to know, did anybody Google it after church? You did! I did too! And I want to share with you some of the things that I saw. There was an article by Christianity Today with, which basically said all the same things that Dan said, that um, it was, Pentecost happened 50 days after Easter, the um, um, Jewish people were gathered in Jerusalem for a festival, and the Holy Spirit was poured out by God as a gift on followers of Jesus. But I also saw something in Christianity Today that Dan didn't say. There was an ad for a t-shirt that caught my eye, and it said, normal isn't coming back, Jesus is. Have you guys seen this? You've seen it? I've never seen that. I didn't buy it, but I thought it was interesting. And then the second thing that came up in my search was an article by, uh, from PBS, which I thought was interesting. I always think it's interesting when there's an article by um, non-Christian sources to see what they have to say about Christian stuff. So I want to share with you what they said. And the article was titled, What the Heck is Pentecost? So of course I had to read that. Um, They said that it was the opposite of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is widely celebrated but has low religious importance. Pentecost has high religious importance and is not widely celebrated. They also, it was a fun article because they gave top billing, that's what it said, top billing uh, to the apostles for the event of Pentecost, specifically Peter, James, and Thomas, which I thought was interesting. And then they had a fun fact about Pentecost. I don't think you guys are ever going to guess what it was because it surprised me because it doesn't seem very fun. But the fun fact they noted was a dilemma that was caused by Judas's betrayal and suicide, leaving only 11 apostles. That was the fun fact of Pentecost. And the author of the article, I don't know how much scripture they read. They seem to rely heavily on the words from their minister uncle. So that was interesting. The other thing I did last week was I was supposed to share in my announcements um, a quote from Pope uh, Francis that I had read that morning and I shared it with Dan. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's so good. But you know what? Students um, in C3 will know that I don't work my phone very well, and I totally lost it before I got up, so I didn't share it. So, um, sorry, Dan, but I'm going to share it now. And I think it'll be on the screen, too. Uh, in his homily on Pentecost, Pope Francis said, The Holy Spirit will never tell you that on your journey, everything is going just fine. No, he corrects you. He makes you weep for your sins. He pushes you to change, to fight against your lies and deceptions, even when that calls for hard work, interior struggle, and sacrifice. I think, I think Pope Francis nailed it, and if you get a chance to Google it after church and read a little bit more about what he said, it's really worthwhile reading. Um, but of course, um, 
because I kept searching for that article last Sunday, um, and then again when I was preparing for the message, I keep getting all kinds of Pope news in my feed. By the way, he might be retiring, and apparently that's an issue for the, for the Cardinals. But anyhow, I digress. Let's move on. Um, so I talk about Pentecost. I know it was last week. Why are we still talking about it? Well, because I think it's the strongest image that we have or illustration of the Holy Spirit. I think when we think of the Holy Spirit, we all kind of gravitate to Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit was present at, the, at creation. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and um, was there in, in the beginning. Um, Genesis 1-2 says the earth was formless, or it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As the Spirit of God has been there at the beginning. So I wanted to share some, before we really kind of dive into my message today, which is about the presence of the Holy Spirit. I really want to talk about a few um, images that we find in Scripture of the Holy Spirit, because they'll help us know who the Holy Spirit is. So when you see in Scripture breath or wind, that's often associated with the Holy Spirit. Um, when Moses was parting the Red Sea, he stretched his hand over the waters all night long, and Exodus 14 says, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind. That's the Holy Spirit. Water is another um, image for the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, um, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Holy Spirit um, is being poured out like water. Um, in Isaiah 44.3, it says, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants as a blessing. Um, I think uh, an image that we all are familiar with is the cloud. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, the cloud came and covered that when he was there doing the tablets. And then there was a cloud that followed the Israelites. Um, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled it. And at night, it was a cloud of fire. When the cloud, that was the Holy Spirit, when the cloud moved, that's when the Israelites knew they needed to pack up their tents and go and follow it and pitch it somewhere else. And then another image is a dove. Um, at Jesus' baptism, uh, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit were all present at Jesus' baptism, and um, the Spirit is depicted as descending as a dove. After the flood, there was a dove too, and as I was preparing for this morning, I came across this quote from um, a Catholic theologian, Killian McDonald, and he said, as the dove brought news of a new creation to the ark, so the Holy Spirit proclaims that the world will be made anew, beginning with the baptism of Jesus. really like the connection between those two images. Like I said, these images help illustrate for us the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit in the world. Um, and, and it's important because Dan said last week that it's, we often struggle to have an awareness of the Holy Spirit, so it's important to know who he is. It's easier to have an awareness of God the Father and Jesus the Son. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I think it's because they're easier to know. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He had conversations with them and with Moses and with Noah. He spoke through the prophets. He even came to live in the tent of meeting with the Israelites. He made a, he made a home in their neighborhood. You know, he, he's very personal. He sent our Savior, Jesus, and Jesus is so personal. My friend told me last week that when she talks to people, she'll say, she doesn't say, do you know Jesus? She says, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Because he's so dear to her. And we, a couple months ago, did this series on the, um, 
on some of the sayings of Jesus and who Jesus is. And he is the good shepherd. He is the vine. He is the bread of life. He walked and talked and rubbed elbows with people. He went to dinner parties. He turned wine or water into wine. I mean, he was so personal when he was here. The Holy Spirit just seems a little bit more elusive, I think. But every bit is present, every bit is holy, and every bit is powerful. I just think maybe a little bit more subtle. And we have to practice um, being aware of that presence. So I want to talk about how the, the Holy Spirit is present in the world. And it's hard to think about the Spirit being present in the world, the God at move in the world over the past couple of years because they've been really hard in a way that hasn't been before in my lifetime anyway. It's just different now. Um, My friend has a sticker um, on her desk that says, um, everything is stupid and dumb, and it always makes me laugh. But I'll be honest with you, the past couple of years, I've had more than a few days where I've thought, everything is stupid and dumb. And when you're thinking that way, it's hard to be aware of the good work of God in the world. It's hard to be aware of the movement of God. Um, And so I asked Pastor Lindsay to share some statistics with me. She works for our denomination with the Serve Globally team, and specifically she leads the partnership our denomination has with World Vision for Covenant Kids Congo. And whenever she shares statistics with me, they're powerful to see how God is at work in the world. So I want to share them with you. Um, Aid for Ukraine, so far through Covenant Churches, there has been $800,000 raised. That's a huge amount in a short amount of time, just through covenant churches. Um, And now I'm going to get into a whole bunch of statistics. Um, The partnership that we've had with, um, the covenant has had with World Vision for uh, Covenant Kids Congo has been 10 years in the making. It started 10 years ago. And in that time, um, annually, there is over $3 million of impact every year for of efforts in Congo because of that partnership. And from the time we started the partnership to now, the number of children completing basic education has gone from 52% to 80% of children in Congo. The number of children immunized in Congo has gone from, I better put my glasses on so I get it right, has gone from 28% to 75%. The number of households that are able to provide two or more meals a day for their family has gone from 49% to 70%. And the number of households able to access clean water has gone from 16% to 56%. Yes, let's praise God for that. An incredible example of the movement of the Holy Spirit through God's people over God's place. And that's the thing, the Holy Spirit moves within us to change the world around us. Last month um, in our Kingdom is series, uh, Phil shared in his message something along the lines of, God put his image on us, and that is why the Kingdom is expressed through us. And that's powered by the Holy Spirit. Big changes are happening in this world, so yeah, it's hard, but I think sometimes we need to have um, the eyes to see. Otherwise, it is easy to think everything is stupid and bad, even when really good things are happening. The other thing I want to talk about is that we are made in the image of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit is in us. 
God breathed life into us. God sent his son to be our savior. And Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming to be with us after he went to be with his father in heaven. And I'm going to share a passage from the gospel of John in just a second. I'm going to give you a little bit of context because I'm sharing a lot of verses. So I didn't want to have a really long Bible verse, but this is um, Nicodemus was a Pharisee who went to talk to Jesus and it said he went at night. And I kind of think he was sneaking away from the other Pharisees because he liked Jesus and he didn't want the other Pharisees to know or something. I don't know. But Nicodemus went to tell Jesus, you are the real good deal. You are really from God. And in that conversation, Jesus talks to him about being born of the, of the spirit and being born again. And Nicodemus is like, wait, you can't, Jesus, you can't crawl back into the womb. What are you talking about? So let's read this from John um, chapter 3, um, verses 5 and 6. This is from the message version of the Bible. Jesus said, you are not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that, a body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, and becomes a living spirit. We're, we're spiritual people. We're designed that way. And Jesus is saying here, you can't separate the spirit from your walk with God. He talks about a baptism of new life. When you become a follower of Jesus, something new happens in your life. And what's involved in that is submitting to the guidance of the Holy Spirit who corrects us and encourages us, comforts us. And when we fall down and get things oh so wrong, helps us get back up on our feet and keep moving. The Holy Spirit nudges us along our way and helps us grow in faith and grow closer to God. What would it look like if we let go enough to allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit. I think it can be scary. I think it can feel like it would be restrictive, but the truth is the opposite. When we let go and we're guided by the Holy Spirit, it's life-giving, it's freeing. And I have an example of that from a prayer that my four-year-old granddaughter Maisie shared prayed to God one night uh, two weeks ago. My daughter Emily texted me, and um, I'm going to just share this prayer with you. She's praying to God, and she tells him, I'm a little sad I didn't get to see your body, but I'm glad I saw your bigness today. And I know when I'm spinning and twirling at school, it's you there, invisible, spinning me. I was really moved by that prayer. I was moved by that prayer, not because like, oh, happy grandma, look at me. No, I mean, I mean the happy grandma part was that she was praying at night. The, but the, the, what amazed me about this prayer is that this four-year-old child has an awareness that God is near to her, has an awareness of God's bigness, and has an awareness of God moving in her life spinning her throughout their, her day. Oh, to have faith like a child, right? What would it be like to submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and spin about our day, twirl about, instead of trudging through it? 
which is easy to do. But to get there, we have to submit and we have to let ourselves be guided by the Holy Spirit. The next thing I wanted to share is that the Holy Spirit is present among us. So the Holy Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit's in the world, and the Holy Spirit is among us. If you think about the Trinity, there's a communal aspect to the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons, one being, and I don't have time to go into depth, but I'd love to talk to anybody about this over coffee sometime. Um, But as believers, we are children of God. We are heirs. We are part of that family and that community. Many prayers that I prayed in catechism when I was a kid was through the unity of the Holy Spirit. That was part of so many prayers as a Catholic. Um, Because the Holy Spirit unites us, and that is what makes us different when we gather together. I mean, you could go to a movie theater, like, you know, have you been to a movie theater when, like, a Star Wars movie or, like, a Marvel movie comes out? There's, like, this, everybody's all excited and everybody's like-minded, but, and there's a, a vibe, but the church is different from that because we're actually connected through the Holy Spirit. And here's what I mean. The Holy Spirit in me recognizes the Holy Spirit in you. And before you get up and walk out and think that's a little woo-woo, let's look at this verse. We're going to look at a verse um, from the beginning of Luke. When Mary is pregnant, she goes to visit her cousin, who is also pregnant. So, um, excuse me, Luke 1, together. Uh, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the baby that Elizabeth was carrying was John the Baptist. And scripture tells us that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was ever born. So when Mary arrives with the Savior in utero and says hello to her cousin, the babies, there's a recognition between the babies that goes beyond, you know, uh, there's not enough room in here, rolling around baby, kicking mom in the ribs kind of thing. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit recognizes the Holy Spirit in the other baby. That's what's happening. And the same is true for us. The Spirit recognizes the Spirit in others. And it's not in a leaping for joy kind of way because that would look really weird at church can you imagine what greeting time would look like if that was happening yeah i saw a grimace that's so true but what i'm talking about is when the spirit recognizes the spirit it's in a family kind of way and I, when i say family i know that's a loaded term for a lot of people so i need to explain it because um in my family i have lots of cousins some i've never met some i've only spent time with maybe four or five times in my life um and some of us like each other, and we would actually be really good friends if we need, lived nearby. Some of us, it's fine that we live far apart. But nevertheless, when we get together for a family meal, you know, for a reunion or a wedding or whatever, um, we, all, we all have a good time. But I want to talk about uh, two instances that stand out. My cousin Denise um, uh, lives in Ohio, and I was, I was supposed to her, her my... I don't want to give you my whole family tree, but my second cousin was getting married, and I wasn't going to be able to make the wedding because of a conference, but then flights changed, and I was able to go, and I got to my cousin Ron's house, and then he said, we're all going over to Denise's house for dinner, and so she didn't know I was coming, and um, I walk in her kitchen, and you know, there's like 30 or 40 people there, and she starts screaming and jumping up and down, and you know, I've only seen her like four times in my life, but she was so happy to see me. She came over and gave me a hug, and it was the warmest welcome I've ever had in my life. That's what I mean by family. 
Another example is my cousin Carol. She, um, she is fancy. She has the fanciest house I've ever been in and the fanciest kitchen, and she's an amazing cook. She could have her own cooking show, and she is queen of her kitchen. Nobody goes in her kitchen. When you get there, she has everything all set and everything's ready. But after dinner, I started to clean up, and she goes, no, your guests don't do dishes. And I said, I'm family, and I'm going to do the dishes, and you can dry. And she let it slide because we're family. So when I say the Holy Spirit in you recognizes the Holy Spirit in me, it's in the I'm so happy to see you kind of way. It's in the I'm going to roll up my sleeves and dive in and help you do the dishes or whatever. Another way is I'm so glad for you. I'm going to cheer and celebrate your victories too. That's what I mean by family and the Holy Spirit recognizing that in this in each other. Um, Pastor Dan has been talking a lot about the Praise You Go app, and so, you know, I dusted it off and started listening to it again. And on Tuesday, there was a verse that's very familiar. I want to share it now, but it, I think because I was preparing for this morning, I thought about it in a different way. It's uh, Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That last part, glorify your father in heaven is what caught my attention because as happy as my cousin was to see me she's not going to glorify god over that my showing up at her house it's not going to glorify god over that and i started thinking about the significance of that phrase i'm thinking you're sure other people in the community are going to see your good works and they might think you're a good person and they might even think that your faith has something to do it do with it and at the very least you're witnessing to them what your faith looks like in action and, um, you know, they may even want to know more about your Jesus because of the things they see you're doing. But are they going to glorify Father in heaven for that? No, maybe not. But here, among this people, because the Holy Spirit is among us, we are going to glorify God when we see you shining bright and doing things. That's why we celebrate um, Global 6K. That's why we celebrate World Vision. That's why we celebrate with each other. There's something different when we come together. And because the Holy Spirit encourages us and comforts us, we can encourage and comfort others here in our church family. And that is how we help one another grow in faith, by serving God together, by praying God to God together, by worshiping together, and by celebrating together. And I'm going to tell you, I've had several conversations since the quarantine ended. I actually had these kind of conversations before the pandemic even, but the question always comes down to, you know, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, I don't think that's the question. I don't think it's a matter of have to, because it's, you know, I mean, following Jesus is always about what's in your heart, and that can be, you know, one way or the other, depending on where you are, it doesn't matter. But um, I think we're meant to experience faith. We are meant to experience faith in the context of relationships with other believers. Jesus didn't just hold church service. He walked and talked and spent time with the apostles and disciples, and he spent time with people. We're, it's communal. It's community of believers. Um, and the only example, so maybe because we're going to play board games today after church, have you guys, anybody heard of the game Captain Sonar? We're going to be playing that game at my house today, apparently. Oh, we love board games. So I was thinking about the Settlers of Catan. If you've never played that game, it's a game where you play with other people and there's trading resources and all kinds of things. It was designed to be a multiplayer game. 
I mean, you could go to the work of setting it all out and play that game by yourself, but it's not going to be much fun because it was designed to be played with other people. And in the same way, um, we were designed to experience and express our faith with others. And when we do that, it's more fulfilling. Just like playing a multiplayer game with multiple players is more fulfilling than it would be if you played with one. Since the quarantine lifted and the mask mandate lifted, we all have new fun opportunities to do all kinds of things that we hadn't been able to do. And I, I have felt exhausted oftentimes. I'm like, how did I do all the things that I used to do in a day before the pandemic? And I've heard that from other people. So we're struggling to balance all of the new things that we're able to do in a way that doesn't wear us out. Um, so I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but perhaps we should be thinking about what our priorities are and making time to be among God's people. Because I think that we're meant to set aside time in our week to be in God's house, among God's people, worshiping him together. Your showing up at church may, is more than just what you're going to get out of it. It's always been that way. You're showing up may be an encouragement to somebody in a way you'll never know. Maybe you just smile at them and say, hey, how's it going? How about that thing you told me about last week? That may be a huge encouragement to somebody. Your serving on a Sunday morning may go far beyond your active service in blessing somebody's life that day. It may be an answer to prayer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is among us and at work um, in our presence. And the Holy Spirit works in ways that we'll never imagine sometimes. Um, an example I want to share today um, is Karen Cooks, because there's another baby. We have a lot of babies in our church family now, you guys, and there was another baby born this week, and uh, an email went out. Thank you, Tara, for sending those emails for Karen Cooks. Um, and I just want to say, Karen Cooks, the food that you send, prepare and send, goes far beyond um, making a meal for a family. It is making a family feel known, feel welcome, feel cared for. Know, they know that they're being prayed, prayed for. It's so, such a big act of service. And you know what? What makes it different is because among us is the Holy Spirit. Because DoorDash, DoorDash could never compete with that. You're not just dropping up a meal. There's something spiritual happening in that moment. And I'm not the attendance police, and I'm not saying that you have to be here and we have to be at church every single Sunday. No, we have said all through the pandemic, we are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are meant to express our faith, faith to shine the light of Christ beyond these doors in our homes, in our community, in our, um, at work, at, in our schools. We're meant to do that. What I'm saying is we here at church are the place where we are going to see you shine and glorify our Father in heaven for it. That's what makes us a different gathering of people. That is what makes us a church family. The Holy Spirit is working among us. The Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit is at work and present in the world. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I pray that well, Father, Son, and Spirit, I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see you moving in the world. I pray that you would help us become aware of your presence in our life. 
Help us let go and allow ourselves to be guided by your spirit. And help us experience what it means to twirl through our day instead of trudging through it because we're being guided by you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.